At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. We have another awesome discussion here, advancement in tool technology. This was a live from the CMPX show. Now, we got three guests on this panel. We got Paul Schubert from Rapid Locking System, Andy Hughes from Interplay Learning, and Jeremy Tora from Centric Sales. Now, we're going to put this comprehensive discussion together. We talk about R&D, which is research and development, the money spent, the time spent, battery tools, advancement of technology, and how there is resistance to it when it first comes out, and how we get over that hump and that resistance. So this is a really good discussion, guys. Stay tuned, pay attention. This is the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. This podcast is sponsored by The Master Group. And I was just talking to Doug Hines about the Viega Press fittings that they've got in their branch now. And I think they're starting a program soon where you can actually borrow the tool or the jaws to, to try it out on some jobs before you decide that you want to take the plunge to buy the entire tool. There's going to be more coming on this, but that is the rumor I heard. So Viega Press now over at Master Group. Pretty cool stuff. Check out master.ca. Welcome to the HVAC Know-It-All Podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. Okay, guys, we're ready to rock here. This is uh, another live podcast, Advancement in Tool Technology and Admittedly, I uh, self-inflicted injury from last night, so you guys are going to have to help me along a little bit. Anyway, Paul Schubert over here. We got Andy Hughes and we got Jeremy Tora, and I'm the host, Gary McCready here. And guys, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to introduce yourselves, who you are, what you do. Paul, go ahead. Okay, so Paul Schubert, I'm uh, president of RLS. So RLS is the world's first press to connect for refrigeration. We launched in 2015, and we have about 15 million of them in service globally. Awesome. Andy, so let me let me just bring up one point. You're not in the realm of physical tools, but education is a tool in itself. And you guys are on the cusp of the technology transitioning on online and, and VR. So I just wanted to bring that up before you introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. So my name is Andy Hughes. I lead sales for Interplay Learning. Interplay Learning provides uh, skilled trade training. Uh, we do it digitally through simulations. So we create real world environments for techs to go into and be able to troubleshoot, practice, learn new skills. Awesome. Yeah. Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Tora, and I am the founder of Centric Sales. We're a manufacturer's rep agency that services the Ontario market for plumbing, HVAC, and mechanical verticals. And um, got about 10 years of experience, everything from IQ to equipment to tools, tools and more tools so a <laughs> bit of a bit of a tool head so well suited to the discussion awesome okay so with any new tool any new technology that is 
going to change the game a little bit. There's always some resistance. There's always some lashback. And, and I'm sure all of you guys have dealt with that on some level. Paul, can you speak to that a little bit? How do, how do, we, how do we deal with this resistance and lashback when something is brand new? I can speak to nauseam at that. But <laughs> I think you have to do your testing. You have to do all the work up front so that when someone has a new technology... I mean, RLS spent millions of dollars in testing, and if you have to show all that, show that you've done all the homework, all the back-end work, so that when a guy gets the technology for the first time, all those fears and anxieties of whatever he's getting ready to do have all been done before. So that's, I mean, that's our, and then educate and teach and show all that stuff. So as far as the education thing, I think that's huge to get over that cusp of resistance. So how are you going about how, how does your company go about trying to educate techs? Are you doing in-house training, online training? So our facility brings contractors in and we train there and yeah. then we have sales guys in the field. That's all they do is hit contractors every day and show them the tool, show them how the technology works, show them answer questions they have on testing or whatever issues they have. And that's what they do all day long. Awesome. So Andy, the old school brick and mortar institutional type education it seems that's still around, but what you're into is is taking that and just expanding upon it. And we can educate from anywhere without having to drive to a school or drive to a, a another place or even get on a plane. Can you speak a, a little bit about uh, about what your technology does and, and how that the resistance there? Oh, are, you, are you seeing any resistance because of that? We're, we're moving away from the old school brick and mortar style. I mean, we see a ton of resistance because we're in an industry that's they have a path that they've followed for a long time that's been pretty successful and until very recently there really hasn't been an option to get them off of that path yeah so getting into you know we're, we're talking hands-on workers and and real skills that need to be built and you can't really do that reading words off of a screen mm-hmm. so it's the simulation technology that really changes the game but there's already sort of a stigma against e-learning mm-hmm. and you know i don't want to just put my text in front of text that is now on a screen instead of in a book and so we, we really have to get people using it. We have to find some early customers that are going to adopt it. We need to build those use cases and share them and show them that we really can build the same skill set you know, through different means. Yeah. I was actually going to bring that up. Real users are the people that, when they try it, like I, I was just over there yeah. before you showed up at the booth and it blew my mind. Yeah. Like I was down on my knees, like looking inside of a furnace and it was incredible. So the real users need to get out here, use it. And then when they use it, they pass on that information to everybody else that this thing is legit, right? That's to me, the education and the real use is how we get around that resistance. If you guys agree with that or not. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Jeremy, you're, you're about to say something. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was <laughs> going to say, I mean, just, you know, those two are synergistic comments. It's proof in advance. It's trust. It's, um, you know, getting someone to accept and find early adopters that, they, that can create a model of success to take to take away some of that resistance to change. And that, I mean, everyone in the HVAC industry jokes about resistance to change or the speed of change. But when you can accelerate those two things, some of that stuff goes away. So it's easy to, to increase that speed of adoption. Mm-hmm. I mean, this industry is hands on, too. I yep. mean, just like you said, in person, I mean, we it, all that online stuff's there, but it doesn't beat picking up a tool, pressing something, you know, being, you know, they, they're actually doing it. It's, it, there's nothing better than in person. Well, and I think that's an important point because while we sell digital training, we also respect and understand that it has to go hand in hand with yeah. real world training. You know, this, 
there, there's coaching that has to be involved in training. There's real-time feedback that has to be involved in training. Uh, but if we can get somebody more ready for that real hands-on learning, it can be more efficient for both the educator and the students. And, and what your guy said at the booth there, sorry, Jeremy, I'll, I'll let you jump in a sec, is he said he made, he, he said it and it, it kind of sparked my brain. He's like, we're training the mind, not really the hands, because basically with, with your technology, we're just clicking. But he's like, we're training the mind as to what the motions are, what the steps are, right? So training the mind and training the hands are two different things. And then we can put them together at one point to create that, that all-purpose tech, right? Absolutely. You know, the beauty of the online thing is the scalability and reach. You know, one of my challenges as a rep is holding on to this valuable knowledge where we can add value to contractors and to our wholesale distribution partners. And when you're physically limited, it can be labor intensive, it's time intensive, and it's expensive. But from when you've got a digital platform, everyone knows it's it's about scale and it's convenience. And like I said, from a preparatory standpoint, for sure you can get people ready to go in and for the last two years, you were forced to do it online. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> yeah. forced some change. Everyone got very there. true. So a lot of people got used to it, right? Yeah. So Jeremy, I got a question for you. Because you rep uh, Navac, when they introduced the technology of the battery-powered vacuum pump, it was like like the, the 2CFM, you could like hold it in your hand. It almost seemed like a gimmick at first, and there was a lot of resistance to that. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? Yeah, it was called cute. We got a lot of, I got a lot of laughs, but yeah. a lot of times new technologies do. They look at it, people look at it and they say, well, I'm not used to this. Mm -hmm. So part of your job is change management. It's like, okay, this is your paradigm around what this is supposed to look like. And you're changing a form factor, you're changing performance, you're changing technology. And if you've had teachers or instructors that show you this is what this looks like and you're showing them this, they go, okay. So, but it is, it's that proof. It's the education. It's the demonstration. It's the, maybe working on best practices because what they know conventionally wouldn't apply to this piece of equipment. And then when you're able to say, well, are you doing this and are you doing this? You can get better, equal or better performance. That's what it takes to get people over to the hall. But, and I think it takes a forward-leaning mind because when that pump first came out, it, it was funny because I had, and you could actually like do this, hold it in your hand. And, and then I started seeing comments from people online going, yeah, I, I used it in one battery charge. I pulled down like two or three brand new residential systems. And then when other people see those comments, it kind of, it, it, it brings it all together. Like, wow, someone else is using it. So maybe it, it's legit. And then it kind of, it ramps up because everybody's kind of piling on and jumping on the bandwagon. But that comes back to real users. Yeah. And you know, we think that the advantages are obvious when you develop a product and you go out and you get voice of customer, you go, okay, this is obvious. Like you don't have to find power and you're going on to a roof, the, the physical size of it, you know, the performance, if you're using a half inch ID hose and you're pulling your valve cores and, you know, you can pull up good vacuum in 20 minutes and you can kind of blow guys' minds with that. But then it's the, the real user. It's the, you know, the person out there on social media in the field filming what they're doing and the actual results. And that's how we're getting some traction. And it's the receptivity has been good and people are pleased with it. So perfect. Okay. So we're going to move on to R&D because a lot of people don't realize the amount of time and money that it takes to go into a product before it goes to market. And Paul, you got a lot of experience on the yeah. R&D. Yep. So, so, our, so, our, so if you take RLS, so it launched in 2015, but we were working on it in 2008, 2009. We started pressing some of the first press fittings in the field in 2012 and think about launching three years after that. So it takes a lot of money. It takes really laser focus. I mean, you're looking at teams with metallurgists, engineers, salespeople, 
finance people, you're putting budgets to it, and then you stick to it, and there's lots of failures along the line where you have to stop, reset. But yeah, it takes, it, it took RLS about seven years, six, seven years. Let's talk about failures just quickly and kind of the, like the progression in tools and some of the failures that people have experienced. I mean, everyone has had, you know, the, the, the mirth or the anger of a contractor or a wholesale partner when something's gone wrong. But it's like, it's in the advancement. It's part of the, the process. You try to get everything perfect, but things are rarely perfect when they go to market. And also you find that some people have new and interesting ways to mess things up that you didn't anticipate. And that's part of the development process. But I'd say that 99% of the times it's that education piece that needs to be there. And then you get the, the backlash based on a lack of education. It's really the product issue. It's quite often the how do we educate the end user effectively to use the tools properly? And then you put it in the field and you'll learn a whole new lesson. I mean, there's, I mean, we launched with 16 SKUs and now we have 150. Yeah, I mean, but, if, you, if you told me we were going to be selling 45 elbows, I'd have, I'd have laughed at you. Then we sell them all day long. They love them. See, but that pain and that iteration, like that's the R&D process, right? Like that's learning what really works with your customers and what's, you know, what's hitting the right spots and what we thought was going to hit the right spots. You know, like you said, we have these expectations that we have these solutions that people are going to see it and they're just immediately going to think, wow, this is what I'm looking for. But they need a little bit more. They need some social proof. They need somebody to say, yeah, it looks good and it really does what it's supposed to do also. So I think, you know, we want that painful feedback because it helps us understand what to do next. And I think that, and you guys can weigh in on this, I, I don't even have it written down because you just brought it up, is that once it gets into the hands of the users, the users actually give you a lot of good feedback that actually can correct the failures that, that you're seeing, right? I mean, that's R&D, right? Yeah. R&D is listening to our customers yeah. and building what our customers need. And that's a constant process. It never stops. And it's not just one team. It's every team from our engineers, from our you know customer-facing teams and everything in between. Mm -hmm. Hey, quick break, guys. So Danfoss has their new Danfoss installer app, which is geared to hydronics and, and, and a lot of heating and stuff like that. So if you're into hydronics and you're into heating, you can check it out because they got like a parts list. They got an oil burner conversion parts list, a whole bunch of stuff on there. And also they got their, their Ref Tools app, which is a great app because it's got that slider, refrigerant slider. And it's got a bunch of other tools inside of it. It's like a five-in-one app is the Ref Tools. So check out both those apps from Danfoss. Company Cam, guys, is a platform that allows you to take images, photos, notes, voice memos, and keep them all in one file on the cloud so they're not stored on your phone. And if there's a bunch of techs installers on one job and they all take their images and notes and stuff they all land in the same place so whoever is involved in that job can go to that one place on company cam which is cloud-based and check out everything that's going on so there's no emailing pictures back and forth and and stuff like that everything lands right there the other thing we're going to talk about quickly is jb warranties warranty programs outside the oem warranty and this kicks in like, let's say the warranty is 10 years on a compressor from the manufacturer. The customer wants something extended. Well, JB Warranties provides that for their customers by kicking in after the OEM warranty period is over. And they supply labor up to $300 an hour for the techs going out and making the repairs. And 14-day turnaround time on claims. So check out JB Warranties. Okay, so sparking the idea. So every product starts with an idea and then it goes into the R&D stage. 
And obviously the idea comes from a problem and the, the idea is supposed to be the solution. Paul, I'll start with you. What sparked the idea of rapid locking system to press a fitting instead of brazing it or soldering it? Like what sparked that? So so RLS is an invention out of Cerro tube facility. So they, they sell millions of pounds of copper tubing for plumbing refrigeration and it's teams of people trying to figure out medical gas, press for refrigeration, plumbing, you know, and they that's what they do. There's people around, there's a whole innovation team and they yeah. pick projects and you know, it goes to another team that decides what project's going to be successful, and that's how they started with, and there was no press refrigeration, so it's a market that was of high interest or less for Sarah at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and Andy, like, do you have any background um, info on why Interplay Learning was started? Like, what yeah. created the concept of virtual headset, I'm going to fix it virtually instead of... Yeah, so I didn't actually get to the full sort of R&D story, but we were building simulations for six or eight years before we actually launched SkillMill. Yeah. And so when we launched SkillMill, it was a very conscious effort to, I mean, ambitious goal. We wanted to solve the skills gap. We want to get more people into the trades. We want to get the new generation into the trades. And so we wanted to take simulation technology, which was used in all of the biggest industries very successfully and bring it to the trades so that we could get that same learning result at a much, much lower cost than people are you know, investing in that kind of technology. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So, Jeremy, what, what are your thoughts on the ideas? Because I know you've been involved in some projects where R&D, like, where does the idea come from? Like, where you see a problem, you want to create a solution. Where are these ideas generated from? I mean, without being overly simplistic, it's you look at something and go, this can be done better. Or, or why are we tolerating this pain? Uh, okay, we can re-engineer a system or... Every time I do this, it's an inconvenience. So what's the solution? And it's just walking that back. It's seeing if the solution is viable, if it's the market's ready to accept the solution. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes you force it on the market. But um, bringing completely innovative products and then just to speak specifically about even the, the vacuum pump or the, the refrigeration reclaim tool market, not much has changed. And you can look at a vacuum pump from 20 years ago. And if you had looked at one four years ago, it would have looked almost exactly the same. Yeah. So, you know, NAVAC has pushed a lot of innovation and it's fun bringing tools like that to the trade because you're bringing something different. In general, you hear about NAVAC all the time. Yeah, people people get on, excited about on the it. channel. That's, that's good to get out there and get people excited about progress. So. Mm-hmm. And for me, like efficiency is a big part of, of my job, my day. Because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I try to get my job done as quick as possible and get home to the family because the family time is important to me. And I find the advancement of things that I'm using in the field are actually creating more efficiency for me. And you were telling me a story the yesterday, I think, about how some of your contractors that are using press over brazing are saving tons of time on a job because yeah. of the efficiency that's involved. Yeah, so like you can press a, a joint in about 10 seconds. So that's from quarter inch to inch and three eighths. Obviously, an inch and three-eighths joint takes longer to braze than a quarter inch. But, yeah, I mean, work work is short. It's hard to find work. We know guys that are having issues with it, and they'll save tens of thousands of dollars on a job. And that's more jobs, more money in their pocket. I mean, you you had not used press before I met you, and now you do. I mean, I mean, you're, you can speak for it. It's, 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 if you do all the right steps, it's, it's, uh, it's just another tool in your, yeah, and, it, bag. And, and it's important to to also understand that there's um, a longer form way of doing things. 
and and know how to do both because I, I've always thought that like even going to the, the the conversation with analog gauges now to digital gauges, it's always good to know how to use both, right? Because one day the technology, if you dismiss the technology, it, one day it might get thrown in front of you. If you dismissed it for so many years, it's now it's in your lap. Now you're starting from scratch. But if you stayed up with the the information, the news, and and all that as it was coming through, you would already know what it is, and you'd have a head start on it, right? What do you think, Andy? Well, I mean, efficiency for us is our value prop, right? Yeah. Getting people field ready in weeks, not years. You know, getting somebody... We know we're not going to get somebody to an expert level in weeks, but we can get somebody out in the field. We can get somebody producing for their company. If you think about the traditional training model, there's just so many variables that are outside of the learner's control, from classroom space to equipment space, instructor availability, and all those problems go away when you can do that same uh, type of intensive training sitting on your couch, you know, before you go into the office. Yeah. And one of the, the key efficiency points this day and age is you don't got to get in your car and spend a ton of money on gas, the prices of gas these days, right? And drive to a school and you know what I mean? And you can sit, like you said, in your living room and, and do this stuff. So Jeremy, I want to move to you because because you're, you're repping Navac, you've obviously seen the, the rise in battery operated tools with the, the pump, we got the, the flaring tool, we got the, the, the swager, the tubing expander. How are you seeing the, the battery-operated tools just kind of making their rise? Because, I mean, if we go back to when the battery-operated impact gun came out, I bet you there is resistance, guys not wanting to move away from a corded drill to a battery-operated impact, but now everybody owns them. But have you seen any, any resistance with, for instance, uh, a vacuum pump, a flaring tool, a, a tubing expander? I see resistance with... With everything, right? Yeah. And it's you always have to overcome it with you know, some candid conversations. And there's there's nothing wrong when someone says, "Well, what happens if I forget to charge it?" And it's like the same thing that'll happen if you forget to gas your car in the morning, yeah. or, or if That's you forget right. to bring refrigerant to the site. It's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. So you know, once you call them out on that initial resistance, it's. It's pretty easy to see the benefits. But have you seen a factory flare? I mean, that's all you got to do is show them that. Well, so and that's exactly the thing. I mean, the ability to take, uh, you know, the technology, and to take a an OEM quality flare process, miniaturize it, put it in a handheld battery powered unit, and then be able to do hundreds of flares with complete consistency and repeatability. It's pretty hard to make an argument unless you're just trying to stay stuck in the past. I mean, the battery battery powered stuff. All you have to do is look at you know some of the big red brands. You know, Navaculate. Everyone's going to battery. I mean, cars, yeah, <laughs> homes, right? It, it, it would be we'd, we'd be hamstringing ourselves if we didn't look at all of those technologies yeah, and try sure. to bring them to battery power. So, is part of that just the uh, ability for batteries to provide enough power to successfully? work those tools yeah there's that and then and let you know let's be honest i mean you know we talk about tools in general we talk about wi-fi technologies compatibility if you're heavily invested in a proprietary system that is battery powered on one side and then you're asked to invest in a whole other line of tools and you're going why don't my batteries work together you know with these lines and now i'm having to have four different chargers in my truck to keep things online that's that's a discussion worth having but um, yeah, some of the resistance is just, I, this is the way I've always done it and it hasn't failed me. I'm concerned this is gonna fail me, right? So it's over, again, it, it just comes down to- work. What I'm seeing with um, a lot of guys in their trucks is, is that they're, they're getting it, they're, they're buying, purchasing inverters, they're powering them up and they're, they're running uh, battery stations 
in the back of their truck. So they open it up and all their batteries are sitting there charging. Yeah. And that's one of the movements that you, that I'm seeing. And, and that's back to efficiency. Now you're no longer, oh, all my batteries are dead. Well, now they're charging in your truck while you're driving all of the time. So you're just ready to go constantly. Well, and, and you know, the, the, the automation part of it is, you know, and this is, I'll make a broad statement about this is, I'm glad to see that I think we're at a stage where people are willing to let go of this concept that more difficult means better. Like easy is actually okay. There was this whole machismo thing about, hey, I want to use tin snips because I want burly forearms. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, how does that work out for you when you're 45 and you can't squeeze a set of them anymore? So it's like, maybe take the easier option. There's no shame in easier. And if it's more consistent, you've got re- repeatability, that's a, I mean, that's a win-win. Mm-hmm. So this is a big this is a big thing with technology and you see this this argument all the time we're taking skill out of the trade a monkey can do that a monkey can pull a trigger you know what i mean paul how how are you dealing with this argument that we're taking the skill out of the trade with the advancement of, of products well it's that's ridiculous but you know to, for us you're just adding the skill that you need you know cities like toronto i mean in the u.s it's boston new york city you don't get to use a flame so you have to have an alternative or Pulling fire permits is expensive, so you're never going to, you're always going to have to know how to braze and bend copper. And so for us, it's be good at all of it. You know, you're going to have to know how to press in certain markets. And if you don't adopt it now, at some point in the future, you're going to have to. So for for me, I'll just touch on that point. For me, the skill is not putting a piece of pipe together and making sure it doesn't leak. The skill is um, understanding the fundamental principles of electrical refrigeration thermodynamics these are the things that sets the technician apart because you can learn how to braze in a day we can pull a trigger yeah sure but it's it's all the aspects of the 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 true fundamentals if you don't understand them you're not going to be as good of a tech that you can be it doesn't matter what how you're fitting the pipe together right any you have any comments on this taking the skill out of the trade like when, when someone's using a sim instead of turning a screwdriver do you have any thoughts on that I mean, I think we've seen across all industries that technology is an evolution. Mm-hmm. And if we're not evolving, we're being left behind. Then, you know, if you're not going to recognize the efficiencies that we're talking about on the stage here, your, your competitors will. And, you know, it's a matter of who's going to move faster and who's going to get the market share by doing it. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Um, yeah. I mean, innovate or die. I hate to say that, but it's uh, you can be more competitive in business. Um, you know, your, your, your quality of work. And I get some of the romanticism with craftsmanship. And, you know, you got some guys that are black iron forever. You know, I'm going to thread pipe till I die. And then, you know, they're doing less work than the guys who are using track pipe or gas tight or some of these uh, jacketed CSST. So, again, I get it. But, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to move forward or you'll be left behind. Okay. I got one more point, and then we'll see if anybody's got some questions. I want to ask you guys how a show similar to this helps your your brand because you guys are into newer technology. How, how does it help as opposed to like an online type exposure, like getting out and actually shaking hands with people and, and creating sort of like a com- camaraderie, a bond? How, how do you find it helps, Paul? Uh, we do trade shows all over the world, obviously Japan, Australia, Europe, here in, here in the States and Canada. And a lot of technicians come to these shows, so it's our our chance. I mean, I, I met you for the first time, you know, this week. Uh, you know, it's, it's our chance to meet our customers, 
some of them come and specifically hunt us down and look for us and you know it's just we wouldn't see them any other way there's a lot of technicians out there so there's you know but we, we're always glad to see the guys with full shows people engaged interested looking at new stuff i mean that's why they're here yeah and i have firsthand experience from an hour ago how coming to a show would help a product like yours because i was blown away when i put it on and just seen everything yeah absolutely these shows are critical for us i mean honestly just feels good to be back in front of people yeah. after the last couple of years and be able to shake hands and to see people again. But giving somebody the experience, whether it's putting the, the tool in your hand or putting the headset on your head, you know, that's what it's all about. Again, we're working with, with an industry that's hands-on, and so getting hands-on tools and hands-on equipment is important. We also do a lot of R&D here. You know, we've primarily sold our product in the States, and as we consider our international expansion, we come to shows like these to learn what folks are looking for, what sort of international standards we need to meet to be successful. And you know, there's a lot of lot of benefit for these shows for cool. folks like us. Awesome. Are you finding the show the shows help? As opposed to like an online type presence? I mean, I'm a I'm a sales guy. I'm a technical sales guy, right? And in sales it's shaking hands, it's looking people in the eye, it's you know, fostering relationships. And yeah, you may make an initial contact online. But being able to come in and, uh, you know, it, you, you know, that guy there and actually being able to do a tool demo and, yeah. and see each other. Yeah, a lot of value to, to these shows for sure. Cool. All right. Well, anybody got any questions? Whitney? Yeah, there's if anybody has any questions, you can go up to the mic here and, and ask. <laughs> Hi, I'm Whitney. Um, my question is specifically for Andy, but anyone can weigh in. I'm really curious. So the way you're talking about training, it seems really focused on apprentices. But I can see your product being really applicable to mid-career folks, new products coming out, new tools coming out, and getting up to speed so you don't get to a job site and, for instance, find something that you've never seen before. Are you seeing your product getting used by companies for purposes like that or even other purposes that you weren't expecting when you first launched? Absolutely. I'm thrilled that you mentioned it because... Um, you know, we really have two main use cases. One is bringing somebody new into the industry and taking somebody green from I know nothing to productive technician. Uh, and the other use case is taking those uh, currently tenured folks. Um, they need training too. You know, they, they have gaps in their knowledge, but they're also not necessarily willing to put their hand up and say where those gaps are. And they're going to come across it in the field and it's going to make them stumble. Um, so, of course, we're able to identify those gaps and fill those gaps. I think just as importantly, people have to keep up with certifications and they're spending time off-site yep. uh, going to in-person trainings to get a certain you know number of hours. So we partner with those associations and those certification boards so that folks can drive those you know ongoing CEU hours, again, sitting on their couch and not taking time out of, out of their day. And I'll even touch on that, because I, Andy can elaborate, but you do OEM training. Yeah. So an OEM can come in and say, like, we've built this new piece of equipment, um, we want to train our techs on it, and you're going to have full-seasoned journeymen learning on the on this, right? Yeah, absolutely. You think about, you know, when a big manufacturer creates a new product and takes it to market, they have to send, you know, teams of trainers out into the market to show people how this new equipment works, how yeah. to identify faults and what to do with them when you find them. When you can do that with a web address and give them all of that same fidelity of this is what this piece looks like when it malfunctions and this yeah. is what you do about it saves a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of headaches cool all right guys i guess any other questions ryan you got one 
<laughs> okay. All right, guys. We'll wrap it up. Thank you guys very much. This was uh, a good conversation. I hope everybody learned something. I did. Thank you guys. Yeah. yeah thanks, thanks, for, thanks for having a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and staying till the end here. And it's really important to stay on top of technology and don't be like the old school mentality guys that get on and comment negative stuff about new things. Keep an open mind about it. Learn about it. Stay on top of it because one day it might be there. It's given to you, hey, go do this or use this on this job. And if you haven't stayed up and kept in tune with what's going on in the industry and all the advancements in tool technology, you might be left behind. So all I'm saying is try to keep an open mind and stay on top of this stuff as it comes through. But I'm out, guys. Thank you to the Master Group. Once again, happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.